0: Most of you know this, but I am a Carolina guy. I have spent my entire life in either North or South Carolina. Um, I consider North Carolina home, I guess. Well, I used to. Now Lexington's been home for 11, 12 years. So I'm a South Carolina guy. But my team allegiance, y'all know me, I'm a Tar Heel. So this past week has been difficult for me because... When you grow up in different places, you get a lot of different Facebook friends. And so last Saturday, while we were dealing with a little bit of ice, I got to see the real snow that hit my family and friends in North Carolina. There are some big differences between North and South Carolina winters, you know? I mean, first of all, their snow lasts longer than a day or half a day or... When I went to bed on Friday night, there was snow on the road. Can anybody tell me what happened to it? It didn't raise above freezing. But when I woke up on on Saturday morning, the roads were clear. Makes no sense. In North Carolina, they're still skating to work. And number two, well, this sort of goes before winter, but in North Carolina, the trees actually change colors. It's the neatest thing you've ever seen. They'll turn red and brown and, and orange and yellow and then brown as opposed to just turning brown and falling off. There is, however, the downside of that. There's a lot more raking involved. But I think one of the biggest differences in winters is that in the state of South Carolina, winter is the season between football and baseball season. And in North Carolina, winter is basketball season. Because that is basketball country. I don't care where you're from. Basketball is king in North Carolina. There are four main teams. you got NC State. They used to be significant. Sorry. you got, you got Wake Forest, who got lucky yesterday. But let's be honest, they only have three fans. So who really cares? And then you've got Duke. How does a Methodist school name themselves the Blue Devils? Can somebody please explain that to me? Well, let's be honest, they are the spawn of Satan. But anyway, then, of course, there's the University of North Carolina, the Mighty Mighty Tar Heels, which I have great passion for. But in the last 42 years, a North Carolina team has been to the the Sweet 16 40 times. That is basketball. And so everybody loves basketball. I love basketball. But here's the thing. So in North Carolina, during basketball season, you know what everybody does? All the kids play basketball. And like I said, I love basketball, but I am awful at basketball. And when I was young, it was even worse, too, because until I was in the 10th grade, I was really short. Like, in the 8th grade, I was 4'11". And so most 4th graders are well above 4'11". And so not only was I short, I was about as skinny as a lab skeleton. And I can't throw a rock in the ocean. It's awful. I want so badly to be good at this game. Awful. Completely horrible. To make matters worse, my friends, some of them were really good. And the rest of them were good enough. And then there was me. And so we would, you know, stand there and say, okay, who's on whose team? Well... I'll go with that guy, that guy, that guy. And then always last. Always pick last for basketball. Well, and football and soccer and all the rest. But that's beside the point. Horrible. And I wanted more than anything to be good at basketball. I didn't need to be Michael Jordan, who, by the way, is from the state of North Carolina and went to UNC. But still, I wanted to just be good enough to, to fit in, you know, to, to be able to, I don't know, Shoot the basketball and have it go into the hoop for a change or make a layup or something. You know, I just wanted to be not embarrassing. And so I just felt horrible every time we played basketball because I was always picked last and the worst on the team every single time. But it's not just basketball that I have felt like that. And I, there's been lots of times that I've felt not good enough. You know, all through school, I felt like I wasn't good enough. Um, You know, because I had friends that made much better grades than I do. And, And there's all kinds of things. And still to this day, there are people that are better than me at so many things. And I just feel like I'm not good enough. And I think at some point in our lives, everybody feels that way about something. Because at some point in our lives, we're not the best at something. I mean, if you've ever played golf, I'm sure we have some really good golfers in here, um, not to look at anybody over here, but when you first play golf, you're horrible. I don't care who you are. Nobody just picks up a club and's great at it. Well, Tiger Woods maybe, but, but you have to put in the work. But still, some people will never get there, right? You're always going to be hitting balls off into the woods or into the water. Take my word for it. That's me. But... Or maybe it's at work and everybody else is head and shoulders above where you think you should be. Maybe it's that you're just not good enough at whatever hobby or or cooking or cleaning or maybe you don't feel like you're smart enough or rich enough or or talented enough or white enough or black enough or or male enough or female enough or gay enough or straight enough, there's always so many things where we feel like we don't fit in where we're not good enough. Don't we? I don't care how incredible you are at everything. Every person at some point feels like they're unworthy, unacceptable, basically losers. And the worst part is, some people feel like they're losers when it comes to the Lord. Because, you know, maybe I don't give enough, or I don't read the Bible enough, or I don't pray enough, or I don't know enough about God, or or I don't show up to church enough, or I'm not involved enough, or I'm not good enough. So it's not just the, the, the skills that we don't have. Sometimes it's the relationships that we don't have because we feel like we don't measure up. We don't belong. Well, if you look at today's second reading, it's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it's St. Paul writing about gifts. And St. Paul writes a lot about gifts. But here it's kind of specific. Because he says at the beginning, he says, for just as the body is one and has many members... And all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and we are all made to drink of the one spirit. Now listen to this. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body, that would would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? So you see, my friends, you and I are part of the body of Christ. And what it says here, quite plainly, you are good enough. You are exactly how you are intended to be. And y'all have heard me say this many times. You are who you are, where you are, when you are, what you are, for a reason. No, you may not be good at basketball. No, you may not be the smartest person in your class. No, you might not be the coolest Person to ever walk through the the doors. But you are who you are for a specific purpose. You are part of the body. And yes, that makes you good enough. You are good enough because God created you. And God created you to be who you are. Period. Now that doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you won't sin. It doesn't mean that that you won't fail, but it means that you are good enough. No matter what anybody else says, you, you are good enough. You're good enough for God. You're good enough for the body of Christ. Because without you, we wouldn't be whole. You are good enough. That feels great, doesn't it? But there is another side to that. Well, according to St. Paul anyway. He says starting in verse 20. As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect, whereas our our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. You are good enough, but so are they. And that is... It's vitally important. Because as Christians, we we struggle with that sometimes, don't we? Because it's like, okay, we're either we either think we're too good and they're not good enough, or they're too good and we're not good enough. But what Paul says is, you're good enough and they're good enough. All of us are indispensable. All of us are indispensable, no matter what. It doesn't matter what another person looks like. It doesn't matter what another person thinks. It doesn't matter matter what another person does. They are indispensable. Their gifts are important because they too are who they are, what they are, when they are where they are for a reason. They are all part of the body just as we are all part of the body. Which means we are all one working together. All of us are indispensable and we need each other. So, the first step for us to deal with this is to look at our own selves. And you have also heard me talk about this before, but it's, it's a lesson that you that you need to hang on to. Self-talk is important. What you say to yourself out loud is important because it actually rewires your brain. When you say things out loud, Your ears, your mouth says it, your ears hear it, and it goes inside, and you believe it. So if you're standing in front of the mirror every day and call yourself fat, ugly, unworthy, dumb, and you fill in the rest, your brain believes it. If, on the other hand, you begin to affirm yourself, you are beautiful, You are chosen. You are how you're supposed to be. Your brain begins to believe it. And you begin to see yourself the way God intends you to see yourself. I mean, remember, it says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Some people are really good at loving their neighbor and not so good at loving themselves. But hear again the words of St. Paul You are important. You are good enough. You are part of the body and we need you. And then, after we're done realizing that we are awesome, because we are, we're able to open our hearts up and realize that they are awesome too. I mean, one of the six signs of living is accept all. And that is not just ear play that we say because it sounds nice. You know, we oh, accept all. Well, you know, accept... It's accept all, not accept all, right? We like to misspell that sometimes when we're talking about those people. Accept all, except those people, right? And so that's not how it is. Because think of this if you know anything about Jesus, where did Jesus hang out? Who did Jesus hang out with? Was it the perfect people? Was it the great people? Was it the people that anybody expected him to hang out with? No. And so if Jesus came back today, the very people that you think don't belong are the very people he's hanging out with. They are good enough. They are needed too. They are part of the body of Christ. We must accept them. And here's the thing when we talk about accept all. Everybody has people in mind when I say that. Everybody has people in mind. But realize this. If you are a person that has been hard to, to be accepted and you've struggled to be accepted, realize a lot of times that the people who that you are called to accept the people who don't accept you. Isn't that what Jesus did? Did he not die on the cross for the very people who rejected him? As followers of Jesus Christ, we're not just called to accept the people that accept us, we're also called the people who don't. To accept the people who don't accept us. Because whether we like it or not, they are part of the body. And I'll tell you a story about this. When I was a a small child, we lived in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And in the 1980s, at least in the 1980s, uh, whites and blacks did not congregate in Orangeburg, South Carolina. They did not get along really at all. I mean, it was like a different world. And during that time, one Sunday, a woman showed up to church who stood out like a sore thumb. Her name was Judy Murph, and Miss Murph was African-American. She had moved down from Pennsylvania, where they actually have African-American Lutherans, and so she needed a Lutheran church. And since we were the only Lutheran church in the entire county of Orangeburg, that's where she went. She wasn't going to go to another church. She was Lutheran. Well, in Orangeburg, people had a problem with that. And her response still stands out to me to this day. When people didn't accept her, she would go out of her way to show them love. If she saw one that had his picture in the newspaper, she cut it out, went and paid to have it laminated, and brought it to him. She would bring trinkets for the kids of the people that didn't like her. She She would... give Christmas cards and food to the people that didn't accept her to show that she still accepted them. She ended up dying from cancer during her time there. And when she died, that church was full. And it was a sea of every color imaginable. Because she accepted everyone. Just like we're all called to accept everyone. And that includes ourselves. You see, my friends, not only are you made to be who you are, when you are, where you are, what you are, we together are made to be who we are, when we are, what we are, where we are. So it means that we need what you have. We need you to be good enough. And you need us to be good enough. Because working together is how we will accomplish what God wants us to do. You and I are called to change lives for Jesus Christ. We are called to change this community. We are called to change this world. But we can only do that together. You are good enough. Amen.